Book one in the Sophie Hardy saga, Sophie Hardy and the Internet Implant, is now available to buy from Amazon in paperback, hardback or downloadable in Kindle form. If you would like to purchase any of these, then either search on Amazon or visit our website, www.sophiehardysaga.com. Sophie Hardy and the Internet Implant by Emma Dale Narrated by Leona Hall Chapter 24 Fox in the Hen House King was in his office doing nothing in particular. With his implant, he had no use for computers and with nobody being allowed into shadow, he had no use for visitors and therefore cleaners. As a result, his existence was lonely, but he was content. He had spent years protecting what was most dear to him, the privacy of his own life and that of his company that he'd built from the ground up from a very young age. Moping around his office, the events of the last few days had made him contemplate what he might try and invent next. The thing that had bugged him the most was travel through time and space. Space, he decided, could be doable, if he had the knowledge of any places in particular he could simply zone out there, but he didn't, and even then he doubted whether the signal required to run an avatar would stretch very far into space. Over the years, his agents had caught many aliens and creatures from other worlds, but none of them were willing to share anything with the man who had brought about their capture. They did speak almost universally about one creature that travelled from planet to planet with an army all of their own, much in the way that King himself dreamt of, but he never got much information from them other than they should be scared of this crusader, as they called themselves, and how they had shaped worlds to befit what they saw as perfect. King was scared of this being who, as far as he knew, only went by one name, Condonar. The tales the aliens told described someone who would take over the world and ruin what King had turned it into. This frightened him, because all he ever wished for was his company to live on long after he was gone, and if this crusader made it to Earth, then it might take that away. So, for now, space was out. Time was another issue completely. Travelling forwards, he couldn't see as a problem. He just needed to find a way that didn't make an agent disappear forever in front of his eyes. It was travelling backwards that he couldn't see possible. It was no good sending agents to the future if you couldn't bring them back. Also, even going back in time five minutes would cause massive issues as there would be two of you in one place and this would automatically change events even if you didn't want to. However, having invented almost everything else he could think of, this was what kept him awake at night. That and the fear of someone finding the agents that he'd locked away years ago and blamed on Jane. With the thought of them being discovered now being more likely than it had been in the last ten years racing through his brain, he had come to the realisation that his time might be up. It was time to leave his agency in the hands of children. Not as many children as he would have liked, but the three girls had proven themselves capable nonetheless. There was still the niggling doubt that if they failed and his company's secrets were let out, then he would have to step back in, but that was a risk that he had control over. The return of the agents was the greater of the two evils, so the children it would have to be. A light started flashing in the corner of his eye. He zoned out and looked at it. There had been a security breach on the shop floor. Someone who wasn't supposed to be there was inside. He knew who it was. Only one person knew how to get into that exact place and would even know that that place existed who wasn't Jane Sissons. Knowing Dale Nathan had returned to Shadow, King activated the safety protocol he had put in place years ago to allow for such a scenario. He smiled sadly and saw this as a huge opportunity he'd been waiting for. He zoned back in again and made his way out of the office before turning back to look at the place he'd called home for ten years one last time.
On the shop floor, Sophie, Yasmin, Clara, Miss Sissons and Mr Houghton, now in his avatar, which looked like Dale Nathan, were stood in the completely empty warehouse. Nathan tried to click his fingers to release the inventions, but it didn't do anything. He looked at his hand, baffled. It used to work when he worked here. It's not your hand, is it? Miss Sisson said. That's not your real body, so it won't recognise your click. And anyway, don't you think Mr King would have taken away all your privileges? Nathan tutted and grunted to himself and began to get restless very quickly. Where is he? He moaned. Oh, stop whining, Clara began. He'll be here. Then we can put an end to this rubbish. As if Mr King has kept backups of all the agents locked away in here for ten years and not told anyone about it. Sophie twitched slightly. As to her, Clara was wrong. To her, King had hidden them away. That's where all the evidence was pointing anyway. Sophie could see that he was a man obsessed with things like protecting the privacy and integrity of his company over the lives of millions of mythicals, so hiding away agents and letting Miss Sissons accept the guilt sounded like something he would definitely do. Sophie and Yasmin looked around. The room was identical to when they'd first arrived at Shadow earlier in the week. Nothing was on display, just huge grey walls with nothing on them. At the end of the room, the large door began to creak open. Sophie squinted to try and make out who it was. It didn't take much guessing. Walking towards them, with his hands behind his back, was King. He took an age to get to the middle of the warehouse where all the others stood. The clonking footsteps echoed around the room as no other sound dared to interrupt the great man as he walked. King did eventually reach a close enough distance to the others. Nathan was getting more animated, but Clara spoke first. Mr King, please can you clear this up? He, Clara pointed at Nathan, says that you know where all the agents are and that you have hidden them away and made Miss Sissons feel like she was to blame. Now I know that's nonsense and that you wouldn't do that to anyone, never mind some of your closest friends, but can you please tell the truth to stop him talking? King shuffled his feet and raised an eyebrow. I have them locked up, hidden in plain sight, and I won't be letting them out, he replied with a sense of flippancy. Clara's face melted. Nathan smirked. Miss Sissons marched towards King and put her face right into his. Say that again, Miss Sisson said, looking cross. You heard me, King replied. I will not let them out. They will ruin my life's work. I will not let some fame-crazed fools turn everything I have built into a circus. You and I both heard them ten years ago, Sissons. They were going to sell themselves and this company out. My company. My agency. They were going to change everything. But, Cole, my... Miss Sissons couldn't speak. She felt sick. Sophie and Yasmin stood at the back of everyone watching the drama play out. They had seen a different side of King in the few days they'd been agents. He had given them so much this week, but it was all built on a lie. He had locked innocent people away for wanting nothing more than to get some credit. Sophie had spent enough time on the fence the last few days, working out what was right and what was wrong, and there was no doubt in her mind that this was wrong. In front of Sophie and Yasmin, Nathan walked forward, stroking his chin. I told you so. Now seeing him completely out of character of Mr Houghton, Sophie was finding it hard to see the good-natured head teacher who had worked with her throughout primary school. Nathan shot a finger at King, who was just stood there not fazed by what was happening. This man is power-mad and is only thinking of himself. Sissons, think of Cole. He has been locked up for ten years. You didn't lose him. You didn't cause the disappearance of the agents and ruin all of those people. He did. And it's much worse for them than what you thought you had done. They know where they are and how to get out, but can't. Clara remained speechless, as did Sophie and Yasmin. They could see Miss Sissons was becoming more and more emotional. Her face was turning angry and her fists were clenched. She had tears streaming down her face. Tell me it's not true, she demanded. 
It's true, King said, with no emotion on his face. Cole was not lost by you, but hidden by me, and you did not cause any harm or bring about any loss to anyone. I did. What happened when I flicked that switch? Jane asked, close to screaming. The first time, King asked, no idea. Something with Madam over there, I think, he said, pointing at Clara. The second time, nothing. It just prompted me to turn all the agents into dust from inside Stratus. Miss Sissons howled a gut-wrenching howl of inner pain and relief. She couldn't take any more and walked away from King, past the girls and stood weeping about 50 metres away from them. Sophie wondered who exactly Cole was. She could have guessed, but that didn't mean it would be an accurate one. King turned his gaze from Miss Sissons to Nathan. I will not let them out, Dale. This company is mine and it will not change. I will hold them there for a million years before I change my mind. Sophie saw that Clara was getting distressed and so put a hand on her shoulder. Sophie felt betrayed enough and she'd only been led on for a week. Clara had been lied to for a lot longer than that. This company is not yours. Nathan was getting annoyed now. We built this company. We did. King showed his first emotion, disgust. Oh, please, don't insult me, Dale. He was being very condescending and talking to Nathan like he was an insect on the bottom of his shoe. I built this company. You were an ideas man who was in the right place at the right time. Nothing more. Without you, I'd have succeeded. Without me, you would be nothing. In fact, without me, you are nothing. Why the big need for secrecy, Al? Nathan asked. Why can't the world see us as international saviours? Tell everyone we risked everything to keep them safe and got nothing. King smiled at this. That's the problem though, isn't it? You don't actually want the human race to be made aware of the agents and see them rewarded. You just want the glory for you. You twisted the other agents round your finger and made them think that it would be them getting the spotlight. That was never your intention, was it? You might be able to twist everyone else, but not me, Dale. King paused before his final words. How are your wife and son? Nathan froze. Don't bring them into this. We agreed we'd never bring each other's families into this. My wife and son are perfectly fine. Leave them out of this. Ha! King Fake laughed. Fine? They never see you. You're never home. Your son even begged you for an implant so that you might give him some attention and that was the start of it for you, wasn't it? Your son with an implant, you could manipulate him into whatever you wanted. That's what you do. Use your own son and his desires to please you in order to further what you want. Let's be honest, he's a bit arrogant and not very bright. Thinks he's wonderful. Look at that god-awful speech he did at school on Tuesday, all in an effort to get his daddy to love him more than he loved the idea of fame. I worry just how far that boy will go in order to impress daddy, who never takes any notice of him. Nathan snapped. He grabbed Clara by the arm and pulled her across in front of him. Out of his pocket, he pulled something small and white and held it up to Clara's head. You take that back, Nathan demanded. No, Dale, I won't. Put Clara down. She's done nothing wrong. These children are the future. On that, you and I agree. Do you know what this is? Nathan asked. It's a dilator with the nightmare program loaded in again. This time, though, Clara will never wake up if I attach it to her avatar rather than her humour form and will be trapped in her nightmare forever. All you need to do is take back what you said and release those agents. With Miss Sissons oblivious to what was going on, Sophie and Yasmin were on their own. Clara was shaking, not convinced that King would save her life in light of the new revelations. He had sacrificed people he had known a lot longer than her in order to save his company. She may as well be nothing to him, and she knew it. We have to do something, said Yasmin. We can't lose Clara again. Agreed, replied Sophie, whispering so as not to distract either Nathan or King. And I know the only person that can help us. 
Sophie whispered something into Yasmin's ear and the pair zoned back into the office. All of the others in the room were far too distracted to notice and so the standoff continued. Arriving back in Mr Houghton's office almost immediately, Sophie and Yasmin stood up from the chairs and ran as fast as they could towards the school's main entrance. It was about half an hour before school started and children had begun to arrive so that they could go to breakfast club while their parents hurried off to work. Sophie peered in to see which children were there. Normally, about ten of them all crowded round some small tables, stuffing their faces with toast, jam, cereal, whatever it was that Breakfast Club had on offer. Today, about four Foundation children were trying to spread jam on their toast and failing quite spectacularly. Mrs Tabard was trying desperately to keep up with orders and was somehow managing to juggle it very well. There was a lot going on, but Sophie couldn't see who she needed and so turned to Yasmin. He's not here yet, she said frustrated. No, he isn't in there, but here he is, coming up the drive, Yasmin interrupted, pointing out of the main door. Walking up the drive, with bag on his back and book in his hand, was Reuben Houghton. Being year six now, Sophie could reach the buzzer that let people in and out of school. She buzzed the door open and shouted for Reuben to hurry up, but he didn't hear her. Eventually, Yasmin held the door and Sophie ran outside to almost carry him into school. Whilst outside, Sophie noticed an extremely expensive car at the bottom of the driveway. For a split second, she could have sworn she recognised the silhouette of the driver, but she couldn't worry about that for now. Sophie let go of Reuben, Yasmin let go of the door and the three of them sat in reception area of school. Opposite them was a large hatch where Mrs Tabard often scared off anybody that wanted to look around the school or sometimes she liked to torment the parents by demanding money for trips get paid or chasing up excuses as to why children weren't at school. For now though, the reception was empty. Sophie reached behind her and pulled the curtain to the hall across so that Mrs Tabard couldn't see that three children had gone rogue around school. Sophie then hurriedly got her words out. Reuben, we haven't got much time. You have to come with us. Reuben was more than slightly confused. Where? He shrugged. And why would I want to go with you, Glitch? It's your dad, Yasmin replied, with an equal amount of urgency in her voice as Sophie. What about him? Reuben didn't sound worried at all. He's, well, er... Uh... Yasmin didn't quite know how to put it. I'm sending you a link, Reuben. Click on it and you'll be able to see for yourself, Sophie said. Sophie zoned out to forward the link to send to Reuben, which would allow him to project himself into shadow and join the rest of them in the showdown and hopefully talk his dad round. As Sophie zoned back in, they escorted Reuben to Mr Houghton's office. Again, Sophie and Yasmin sat down where they had been before and pointed to Reuben to sit on the last remaining seat. Reuben did so, but was still slightly confused as to what was going on. Why were the year six teacher, his dad, and a random girl with jack black hair all asleep in the head teacher's office? Sophie explained to Reuben, access your implant and click on the link. Reuben clearly did so as Sophie saw him zone out right in front of her and he didn't immediately come back. Yasmin had gone before Reuben, so Sophie followed suit. The three of them ended up exactly where they had left off, the shop floor. The Sophie Hardy Saga was written and produced by Emma Dale and narrated and produced by Leona Hall. If you enjoyed it and would like to continue to follow the adventures of Sophie and her friends in coming episodes, then please subscribe through one of the many podcast providers out there. The links for each of these can be found on our website. If you require more information, visit our many social media channels or if you would like to purchase a hard copy of the book, then be sure to check out www.sophiehardysaga.com. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy.